To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody and welcome back to What's This Dow All About with uh, Dr. Carl Totten is here with me, the great C. Joe, and my name is Todd Perry. And getting into this, I find that there's a there's, my phone. I feel like is a barrier between me and existing peacefully, <laughs> but I need the phone. It, or, like it's a weird thing. Without the phone, my life would be kind of chaotic in a certain way because everything in life is now set up around the phone, right? <laughs> I have to get my directions there. I have to, you know, when someone is going to come over to my house, they call me on the phone right before that or they text me or I have to be connected with it or else that's suffering and misery in a, in a way, right? <laughs> but also having it is suffering and misery in another way. I was sitting there and I set the timer down when I meditate and if I, I have the phone right there with the timer and then what do I get? Booking! Oh, it's an instant message. Uh, now I'm out of it. You know, I'm trying to meditate, and then it's and it's a it's a text, and it's it's an email, and it's just I I started trying to be conscious of it, and so one one day I'm like letting it charge. I put it in the other room, and I set it up with the charger. And I'm like, whatever. I'm just gonna I'm watching TV with my wife. We're just gonna hang out. Uh, it's it's a weird thing that now the phone is so distracting that watching TV together is quality time. <laughs> that, that, I was thinking about that when you said it. <laughs> I know. No, really, it's true. And so I was like, I'm not going to ruin my good time with my wife sitting here watching the baseball game or something. So I'm going to have the, the, the phone in the other room and then it's booking in the other room and I go, ooh. You know, it's like Pavlov. You know, I'm sitting there going, oh, I, should, I gotta grab the phone. What, what, what could that be? It's probably just nonsense, you know. But, uh, on, but it is true. On the other side of those text messages are people and relationships. And it's not just a device, an electronic device barking at me. It is life kind of in its own way, too. It's my friend saying, hey, how's it going? It's all this. It's an email from my professional life. It's, you know, it's, it's so many things. And I don't, I don't know how to compartmentalize all that with, at the same time, trying to be peaceful and not reactive and all that. And I think it's a very tough needle to thread. Yes. And, you know, our electronic devices, our so-called smartphones, <laughs> yeah. it's become kind of a, like, a, like a ball and chain. And <laughs> someone, and someone's listening tethered. to the show right now on yeah. one, right? <laughs> exactly. Way, yeah, it's we're, interesting. We're, we're, yeah. we're tethered to this thing that in one hand was supposed to do what? Free up our time, right? Liberate us. Liberate us. But yet it's become our Lord and Master. Yes. <laughs> it's how we process reality. Like you said, it's how we connect. It's how we relate. Um, 
what did we do 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago? Uh, how did we manage to get through life without this thing? We did but fine. Yet, but yet yeah. we did. And that's why sometimes, uh, you know, when people get too frantic and too uh, obsessed, I actually recommend they take an e-fast, an electronic ah, yeah. fast, a digital fast, if you will, and no electronics. No, instead, no, take your wife by the hand and go walk to the marina yes. and uh, look at the boats and watch the waves and, and get on one of those boats and go over to uh, Catalina Island yeah. and walk in the back country there looking at the buffalo yeah. and watching the eagles fly over your head. Right. <laughs> you know, because th th there's things we get from that that we'll never get out of our, our smartphones. Oh, I know. Um, and so I think that, again, like everything, it's about balance. It's all about balance. But, but the, we've gone way, I think, out of balance. With the and, phone, with yeah. With the phones I, yeah. and all the other electronic uh, devices, you know, that really act as a, as a, as a mediating uh, variable, I think, between us and reality. Yeah. Because it has become the way that most of us uh, actually connect with, quote, reality. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was watching the other day, there was, um, like, I guess, you know, the Pope was in town. Yeah. So there's all these people, and the Pope is driving by everyone, and, and to certain people, you know, the Pope is this, you know, magnificent person sent from God, and to other people, he's, you know, a guy who's, you know, in a robe. And, you know, <laughs> but for, for the people who went out there to see the Pope, who, and this was a meaningful experience, they all had the phone out. Every single human being was watching the Pope through the phone, and not <laughs> just there. Yes. Just with their heart. Yes. Having them, they had to capture it. They had to control the moment. Yes. It became going hunting for the moment versus actually experiencing it. Or um, it was funny the other day. This sounds odd, but I actually agreed with it, and it was Justin Bieber. Of all people. Yes. I'm going to come on the Taoist show and say, Justin Bieber said something profound the other day. You can hang me. Okay. And he was saying, he was like, you know, he was being very arrogant or whatever. And he was saying, you know, about how people approach him all the time. But he said, when you come up to me with your phone, do you really want to have a moment with me? Or are you just taking my photo so you can share it on Facebook and say I met Justin Bieber? <laughs> and I thought that's actually... That's correct. <laughs> He's right. I was like, that's profound. Are you coming up to me to engage with me and say hello? How are you? Check in, have a moment. Or you just, you know, that's it. And yeah. I could see where that mm -hmm. would be, even if you're Justin Bieber, an empty experience. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think we know we've, we've, we've learned that that's the way to, to live our lives, right? If it isn't documented and recorded, it's not real. It didn't yeah. really happen, right. you know, and which is why, you know, we see all these, you know, these problems with, you know, police brutality and all those things. Again, if, if it wasn't recorded, it we didn't, wouldn't know. It, it, it didn't happen, right? It, it's just denied. Right. <laughs> and so... So having that is a wonderful thing because now we, we can hold our leaders and those in power accountable because we, everybody's been deputized with this phone, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, but isn't it a shame that we've gotten to that point in society, yes. in our lives? You know, we're, we're, we're relying on that rather than on our, our goodwill to do the right thing. Right. You know, that should be our motivating factor. What's the right thing here? What's the humane thing to do in this situation? Right. How, right. how can I help myself and everyone I'm interacting with, 
you know, really come to their fullness, come to their best, second by second, moment by moment. That should be our motivation. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, that, that's going to dovetail in nicely. Uh, I guess today, because last show, we didn't get to it. Um, it's, we didn't get to it. So uh, so now we're going to do a double header for uh, Chapters of the Tao Te Ching. And we're going to do, I guess, Chapter 13 Yes, is the first one here. Yes. And see, I'm, I'm, now I'm using my phone right now for notes. This is great. I have my notes for the show on the phone. I love you, phone. But now there's five text messages that people want in my day. I'm like, I go to grab a phone with my notes, and my sister emailed me about, fo- texted me about football today. I'm like, no, not right now. Don't be in the moment. They're doing the Dow show. And Facebook, and notifications, and all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, chapter 13 of the Dow Day Ching. I think it's a very interesting uh, chapter because uh, it talks about accepting things without being defensive, really. It uh-huh. said, in fact, I'll read it short, like most of them are. Yeah, it's, that, that's the joy. They're, they're, they're short, <laughs> but there's so much. Yeah, not like reading chapters of the Bible where it, go, it can go on and on, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> now, these are, these are about a, a page, less than a page, a quarter of a page in some cases like this one. It, it begins with, Accept disgrace willingly. Accept misfortune as the human condition. What do you mean by accept disgrace willingly? Accept being unimportant. Do not be concerned with loss or gain. This is called accepting disgrace willingly. What do you mean by accept misfortune as the human condition? Misfortune comes from having a body. Without a body, how could there be misfortune? Surrender yourself humbly. Then you can be trusted to care for all things. Love the world as your own self. Then you can truly care for all things. Hmm. I feel like this dovetails nicely into the conversation we had on the last show about yes. the unity conscious you, will t- you were talking about. Yes. What a beautiful chapter. So this when they talk about the self, they're talking a lot about the ego, I imagine. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting, you know, that Lao Tzu actually a- asks questions. You know, he makes a statement, then he asks a question about it, then he answers it, right. answers the question that he just asked. Right. You know, that's really special. Right. I really love this chapter. Um, he says, accept disgrace willingly and accept being unimportant. You know, again, you were talking about the ego. I think he's counseling us to understand some fundamental truths about life. For one thing, and kind of goes back to yin and yang, as almost everything does. Yes. Life comes in cycles, right? Things, the tide rises and then it falls. Uh, the the crops are planted and then they're picked and then it goes back to nothing, and we have to start all over again. Yeah. Um, everything in this universe seems to follow that pattern, but yet. If we attempt to hold on to things like self-importance, or I'm right, or, you know, or it's my way or the highway, then we are certainly going to be condemned to misfortune because none of those things are impermanent, right? And if <laughs> those, have, none of those things are permanent, yeah. they're all impermanent. And so, if we're trying to grasp and hold on to something, particularly something as fragile as self-importance, right. which is dependent on what? 
Is it dependent on what you think about yourself or what other people think about you? Right. And what control do you have of what other people think of you? Zero. <laughs> exactly. And so you will inevitably be disappointed. Pride goeth before the fall. Yes, I believe they yes. say. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so we, you know, so you ha- you have this thing where it's almost like again, you know, the, the 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 idea of clinging to permanence and clinging on to how important you are, because there's some people that are important in one room but not important <laughs> in another. You Absolutely. Know. And I saw this. I think it was it was interesting. When I was in India, I went to a temple where there's a bunch of people that were making food for the poor. And they fed, out of this temple, they fed 1,200 people a day. And there was a back room where people sat and they patted out uh, like non-bread, right? Mm-hmm. And there were a couple people making another dish in the other side of the room. And in this back room, there, the guy who gave me the tour said, you know, there's people who come here who are some of the richest people in India, and they come into this room and they sit and they pat out the non bread. And you know what? There might be a guy him around him that is not as rich as or as powerful that may be better at it, <laughs> at making the bread. And in this back room, the man suddenly, out of context, is not that important, hmm. but he's giving. Yes. and it's all that. You know what I'm saying? So, yes. so to carry oneself through changing rooms, through changing geographic locations, yes. through changing contexts, yes. holding oneself in that high esteem, A, that person's going to miss out on what they can learn in that situation or, or whatever, but be, through being, I guess to be humble, and correct me if I'm wrong, to be humble is to be able to be malleable and to learn. Yeah, I think being humble means, rec- number one, recognizing our common humanity, that you know we're 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 nothing special in 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 the sense of being attached to self-importance, because we're we're all breathing the same air. We yeah. all have the same blood flowing through our veins. Right. Right. We all have to eat, sleep, you know, get rest, uh, have activity, take care of our health. You know, we're, we're all so much more similar than we are different. So where where is the space for this? exaggerated self-importance and all of that mm-hmm. you know we were they, they say we're, we're all born alone and we will die alone yes that is the great leveler <laughs> right. and so we, we're all in the same boat we're all in the same boat and so i think that understanding that life understandably is going to have ups and downs and that the the most uh the the wisest way to appreciate that is to get to the point where when we're in the down phase, we say, you know, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And when things are going our way, this too shall pass. Right. <laughs> there was a, uh, I, was, I was reading up on a, somebody's thoughts of the, the chapter 13, so the, this is not my own, but there was a point that the, the observer took out of it, and it was, if I have no self, right, if I have no ego, then what misfortune do I have? Actually, by eliminating that part of you that is the ego, which is mm-hmm. the part of you that attaches to things, the part that wants to be right. Yes, the part that says "woe is me" as well. <laughs> that if they, if you know, sometimes you know, if if someone does something wrong unto me, if I'm looking at that from an ego conscious, I I take it personally, right? right? If 
I'm looking at it from an egoless, a desireless. We go back. I, just, I don't know where my mind is. I go back to that same thing from the chapter one. Chapter one. And it, I, I just think, well, that's that guy just doing his dance. That's yes. him just being him right there. I just happen to be in front of him. Right. And the misfortune was cast my way. <laughs> if I'm looking at that egotistically, oh, I'll get him, something bad happened. And I believe there's something in here about not having revenge or I'm, I'm sure that might, maybe that's in the next chapter. I think maybe that's in 57, actually. Right. The next one we're going to do. Oops. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but he does advise about having this sense of community in this chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, about, about attending to the general welfare as opposed to just our own. Remember, he says, love the world as your own self. Then you can truly care for all things. Mm-hmm. That's altruism, isn't yeah. it? You know, uh, the, the good of all you know, elevates the all, including mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and it's like being like water. We were saying that water flows down and nourishes everything regardless of its, uh, its position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's why I think that self-care and caring for others, if you're looking at it from this perspective, is, is all the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's all the same thing. Uh, the greater good comes to those who contribute to the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, and if we're only trying to take out our selfish part of it while the rest of the world suffers, uh re- remember we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And everyone's suffering be- is ultimately part of my suffering too. Right. And it tends to come from this this sense of excessive pride and greediness. Now, it is impossible for most human beings to not have an ego, not have a self. Not, I, I don't think it's possible. Not even sure that's a good thing yeah. here, here in a 3D universe. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Sorry to cut you off, but I was just reading. I had written a note down that applied exactly to that, and it was, nah. a, it was a hot take on this, to use a sports term, that um, the Lao Tzu doesn't want us to eliminate the ego, but focus on yourself only enough that you don't neglect the world. So yes. we're talking about that balance again. The yes. Tao isn't about... Yes. Like Buddhism is maybe about destroy your ego, destroy all attachment, all this. And the Tao has a softer hand and understands that the ego is there. And it's, again, about harmonizing and that balance right. and not, go, not going out of whack because when you go out of balance, that's when everything falls apart. Yes. And I think it's not that the ego or the self is the enemy because that's <laughs> largely who we are. Yeah. It's the attachment to that. You know, the wanting to always be correct, uh, particularly to be right at the expense of others being wrong. Yes, yeah. <laughs> when, when actually we're all in this together. Yeah. And the unique part of your ego and yourself is what can you add that is uniquely and creatively your own. Mm-hmm. That is really flowering of the self. You know, that also is going to elevate the greater good. Yeah. Because if you come up with something that's really unique and and practical and important and leads the world forward, then not only are you going to benefit, we're all going to benefit. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I, 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 I really encourage everybody to discover your own unique truths and fruits and share that with the world because that's going to elevate all of us. Because that's your Tao. That's your that's doubt. your uniqueness. So yes. it's like under. I guess the does the balance come in in appreciating the uniqueness and its ability to contribute to the world around you. Yes, and how all of that kind of lines up linear. Not yes. appreciate your uniqueness, 
dominate everybody that comes in your way <laughs> and destroy them, right? But yeah, remember we, we don't want to commit that. Uh, where, where I was talking about the last show, that sin of omission, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, where, where you, you leave out your contribution to the greater good. And then because of that, imbalance reigns and that harms all of us. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you contributed, you know, these, these unique creative ideas that we don't know where they come from. But we know it's coming through you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not even coming from you, but it's definitely coming through channeling you. Channeling it. You're, it's almost like you're channeling it. Because let me ask you something. Mm. Do you know what your next thought is going to be? Mm. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Does any human being know what their next thought... See, so we don't know where these things are coming from. Yeah. They're, so it's coming through us. We're, we're, we're kind of like the receiver and, the, and then the projector of it. Yeah. But we, we really don't know where it's coming from. It, but, we, but we have to refine our capacity to receive it wherever it's coming from, from our subconscious, from the collective unconscious, some, yeah, the Carl Jung yeah. talked about. It's coming from somewhere. But each, since each person is a very unique individual, what as it comes out of you will be different than it comes out of the next person yeah. or me. Or how it's communicated. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. But it's like it turns into a beautiful stew, though. <laughs> it was just like, you know, like a stew. What's better than a stew, right? Oh, Where you have all these different ingredients and every, everything has its own special taste. But when you put it together in a pot, ah. Uh, it's wonderful. It's uh, immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate. And that's almost in a way, if you think about the collective subconscious, and those kind of ideas that flow through that everybody catches and that it comes from that ether or whatever, that that feels suspiciously like the Tao. Yes, yes. And Carl Jung obviously studied the Tao. Yes. <laughs> he even wrote about the, on the in the I Ching, another famous oh, Taoist yeah. text. Oh, yeah. Uh, is is the is the I Ching is that Taoist or is that oh well it's a lot of things <laughs> I mean Confucius studied it all Taoists study it mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure Buddhists study it uh, everybody studies the the book of the E because that is the book of change yes <laughs> you have to understand that to know the Tao uh, right? absolutely absolutely so can we move on actually I think we had down I'm sorry not fifty seven but chapter thirty three. Oh, oh wait, do we we just did thirteen? Yeah, we have fifty seven too, but later. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we'll do okay. Just trying to get this going here. Uh chapter thirty three of the Tao De Jing. Ah yes. Yet another interesting chapter. You know they're all interesting. <laughs> you know, but some of them I think have particular relevance to um to what we're discussing right now. This is one of the shortest chapters, in fact, of the Tao De Ching. Huh? And has uh, one of the most um uh, prevalent uh, quotations ever from the Tao Te Ching. Oh, nice. Uh, which is the very first two lines. Everybody has heard this. Knowing others is wisdom. Knowing the self is enlightenment. Mm. Mastering others requires force. Mastering the self needs strength. He who knows he has enough is rich. Perseverance is a sign of willpower. He who stays where he is endures. To die but not to perish is to be eternally present. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So to know oneself is enlightenment, right? And and what was the, the, uh, to know others is wisdom. 
to know oneself is enlightenment. Because I guess obviously yes. the more you know about yourself, the more you will understand the man next to you. And what is enlightenment? Is it some uh, you know special state that only the saints and <laughs> people like Lao Tzu or the Buddha or perhaps Jesus Christ attain? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what what is enlightenment? You know, I, I've done a lot of thinking about this, <laughs> yeah. and I've spoken with many of my teachers about this. Spoke with one of my teachers recently about this, and you know, he said, "You know what enlightenment really is?" He says, "It's just waking up." Mm. It's just waking up. Isn't that what the, the Buddha was, Absolutely. the guy who, who woke up? Yeah, yeah, the, the enlightened one, the awakened one is yeah. what the, the Buddha actually means. It's a, it's, a, it's a person who just woke up out of our collective dream one day. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we've been talking about all the things that keep us uh, in, in, a, in a trance state. Smartphones, the television, you know, our, our electronic and digital devices have a way of kind of seducing, seducing us into kind of a trance state. Yeah. Uh, the and media it, in yeah. general uh, is trying to entrance us to either uh, buy something or vote for someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, all things that may have absolutely little or nothing to do with who we are and our own individual creative unfolding. So a person who awakes simultaneously, I think, does two things. One, they see all the shackles. They, they instantly see all the ways that they have been attempted to be dominated, domineering, controlled, controlling. <laughs> you or know, ways it, that they've shackled themselves. Right, exactly. Too, yeah. They see it from both sides. Yeah. How they've shackled themselves, how they've allowed themselves to be shackled. How they put themselves in a prison. But now, guess what? They key? found that they had the key in their pocket all along. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and being a, a, a awakening is just understanding that, reaching for the key and opening the cage and walking out. Right, yeah. And then looking around and seeing all these other people, millions of them walking around in their own cage. Yeah. And going, friends, friends, <laughs> here... A, have you noticed that you're in a cage? Right. And B, guess where? Guess who has the key? You do. You do. Yeah. Wake up. Right. Wake up. Right. And so all people who awaken, then their mission is to help others uh, do the same thing. It's like the, it's the Bodhisattva. Yes. Was the guy Absolutely. on the uh, trail. Yes. In fact, right behind you is a, a, a picture of... Guan Yin, the Bohisattva of compassion and mercy uh, in uh, Buddhism, as a matter of fact. Ah, <laughs> was it Miller? Was it Millerepa that was the mm -hmm. was previously a kind of debaucherous human being, <laughs> and then kind of be woke up, and then spent uh, the whole life trying to help others? Was yes. that uh, Millerepa? Yes. And so it's nothing special, and yet it's the most special and powerful thing that we could possibly do is become enlightened and it, it's wake just up. To, it's just to wake up because then you can no longer be manipulated. You have no interest in manipulating others. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, you're in the flow of these ups and downs, these yins and yangs, and your mission is to go with that flow and to assist others in their journey of mm -hmm. doing the same. Right, Because doing so allows each person to rise to their fullness, to become this creative, uniquely contributing individual. And when enough people do that, voila, what happens to the, 
the world as a whole a renaissance. We're going to have right? a rising tide of we consciousness. Have a rising tide of consciousness. And that is so sustaining. Mm -hmm. It feels so natural. It feels so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because then you don't feel desperate all the time. You know, I, I heard a study uh, last week where they asked also thousands of Americans what was their number one regret. And you know what it was? That they worry too much. Mm. The number one regret was that we worry too much. And what does worry accomplish? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and, and the reason we worry is because we're attached to things we cannot control. Exactly. You know, if... If it was something we could control, then we wouldn't worry about it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the thing that I worry about, oh, no, my, oh, no, my, wi my wife's <laughs> going to freak out about something, right, that I can't control. I can't control her. I can't control the weather or I, you know, I can't control traffic. Oh, I'm going to come see Dr. Carl. I've got, oh, I hope the, the five freeway. But what can I do? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, except go with the flow. Right? Yeah. And then if it's meant to happen, it will. When it's meant to happen, it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> the way it's meant to happen, it will. Rem remember, as we discussed just a bit ago, you don't even know what your next thought is going to be. See, so what's this control that we're obsessing about? Mm -hmm. We don't even know what our next thought is going to be. No. See, so how much control do we really have? Very little. What we, what we do have is patterns. Human beings get stuck into response patterns. We are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And so what you tended to do yesterday, last week, last year, <laughs> five years ago, 10 years ago, you're going to probably tend to do very similar types of patterns because now it's become a habit. Right, and so that becomes another part of the prison, you know, that we're that we in. have to wake up from. Because every, what did the Taoists always say? What's the only constant? Change. Right. Every second is we're we're, we're changing. Our, your brain is literally your neurochemistry is changing. Your physiolo physiology is is changing. Yeah. Your biology, everything about you, every second is in a constant state of flux. But yet we cling to the illusion that we're the same. That mm -hmm. we're this is the same brain, the same Todd, the same Carl. You know that was here yesterday. Right. When actually there are a lot of things different about it. But our memory is clinging to the illusion of sameness. Yeah. And as we attempt to then recreate that, that sameness, we, we're missing the moment. Yeah. We're not being here fully present in the now. Again, we're, we're missing this constant ongoing flux of change. Mm -hmm. and, and to that extent, we, we can't fully contribute what we have. Because we're trying to be back there when the moment is calling is calling for us to be right here now. To be here. <laughs> you know, and I find that uh, personally, uh, you know, as as I get older and you know, grow grow older, there are obviously ways which I've been resistant to change, because sometimes you have your opinions, you have your mindsets, you have. <laughs> Ways that you thought the world worked were that maybe the more you learn, the more you realize you were wrong. Yes. And to sit there and go, you know what? I'm going to reverse my opinion on that or the other. <laughs> 
And it and inside it's the cognitive dissonance and the and you go, Why am I attached to that? I should be humble and just go, Oh, I was wrong about that. But then, oh, other people I'm gonna to admit to others I was wrong. Oh, well, how terrible that would be. Then then what am I? Because and it, but it's just because you're not realizing that what are you? You're somebody who changes and has to yes. keep changing yes. and evolving, or else you're gonna be one very uh, bitter person who because they have not adapted any of their thoughts yes and see and that word you just said is very important which is adapted adaptation Mm -hmm. you you look at life for the last million years what is life in the big picture all about if not being able to adapt and adjust to the needs of your environment. That's the 100% thing. Everything that has survived and continues is that which has evolved. Exactly. And that that doesn't, (laughs) goodbye. It's extinct. It goes away, yes. It dies, it's extinct because it cannot adapt to constant change. And so at, at a deep level, we have to know this. <laughs> right. But, but we fight against it. <laughs> but we're fighting it all the time. Right. We're fighting ourselves. It's and an ego. It's an, we're fighting the ego. And that is the state of being asleep in trance, uh, the opposite of being an awakened yeah. being. And, and so enlightenment is simply waking up and realizing all of that, realizing this, what we have learned over the last million years of evolution. I mean, it should be so imprinted in our DNA and genes by now. Yeah. Uh, but somehow, because of our brain, which is bipolar, right? Our brains are split into this and that and right and wrong. And we want to be right, right? That's the ego, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Clinging to the illusion of the self as this entity that's always needs to be right having my way see so we we've seduced ourselves because of we think we're so clever right into fighting our our ultimate nature which is a, a being who is in touch with the flow the ebb and flow of this and that of up and down of front and back of in and out of night and day there's no way to avoid that but yet we, we're trying to mm-hmm. avoid it by clinging to things as we think they, quote, should be. Not how they are. Rather than how they are. You know, I think the interesting thing, I can't think, and please tell me if I'm wrong, or listeners, comment on the <laughs> website, tell me if I'm wrong, or tweet me at what's this Tao. I think the interesting thing is a true Taoist no one's ever going to go, well, they're set in their ways. Or like, I think many people who adapt to most philosophies or religions are, it's all about being set in your ways. Yes. It's about adapt, you know, being rigid with those words and rigid with those rules. Following the rules. And rigid with that understanding. The Tao is almost the, it's antithetical to that because it's yes. saying, change be constantly moving yes. don't you know don't build your don't paint yourself into a corner keep moving accept the fact that things are evolving and it's saying all these these wonderful things which are actually the opposite of do this do that do and, this and it's like Lao Tzu says that in this chapter he who knows he has enough is rich mm-hmm. 
is rich. Because it's, I remember, I think in one of our early shows, I said, you know, remember when you were making $5,000 a year, you were fine. Yeah, you know, you Dallas knows what's by. enough. Right. right. And then when you made 10 and when you made 20 and 30 and 50 and 100, whatever, you know, uh, it, but yet now if you only made $5,000 a year, you'd be... <laughs> I'd be around like my hair was on fire. <laughs> I'd be robbing a liquor store right now. I would be out of balance. I'd be out yet, of balance. But yet when you were making five or 10000 you somehow you managed. I got by. Yeah. <laughs> you, you managed to get by. Ramen. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so now we've, got, we've gotten to the position where a lot of people, no amount is enough. Right. If they have 10 million, they want 20. Mm -hmm. If they have 100 million, they want 200 million. Oh, yeah. there, there's never enough. And when you get into this point where there's never enough, you know what that means? You're never satisfied. Right. And if right. you're never satisfied, then you, you are in a constant state of disequilibrium. Yeah. There's no harmony in you. Right. And if there's no harmony, one of the unfortunate things that we as human beings often attempt to do is to take what's bad or out of balance inside of us and then project it onto the world mm -hmm. and to other people. Mm -hmm. And so then we see this disharmony everywhere. And then what do we try to do? Stamp it out. Stamp it out, kill it, get rid of it, control it, manipulate it. And yet it's us. We've done it to ourselves. Right. You know, one of my teachers, one of the Creating most- Creating straw dogs. <laughs> one of the most profound things one of my teachers ever said to me is this. He said, have you ever noticed that whenever there's a problem, you're always there? <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Life is an inside job. Yeah. Life is an inside job. No, we're, we're seeing, it's almost like we're living in this massive uh, holographic universe, mm -hmm. which actually the physicists say we are, yeah. where we're, we're, we're creating these structures, these things yeah. that we... That they're illusions. out of nothing, these illusions, and then reacting to them as if they're real. Yeah. <laughs> and then wondering why we're dissatisfied, uh. you know, as we cling to these illusionary uh, processes and objects and relationships and states of being and states of ego. Mm. And we wonder why, why it's so dissatisfying. Yeah. And, and, and then we keep doing, we, we figure, well, if that wasn't, if that didn't satisfy me, what must be the problem? I must have to do it more right. or harder. Right. I'll, 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 I'll just keep striving. And then maybe at some point, I'll finally feel okay. Well, sorry, folks. <laughs> there's, no, there's no okay corral out there if that's the way you're going to try to get there. Yeah. The sorry. is to wake up. Yeah, it's to wake up and to let go of the struggle. Mm. Life is not about struggling, but yet we have defined it as such. Mm. We've defined it as such, and that's our, that's our dilemma as human beings. And with that, we cue the music. I'd like to thank C. Joe for your wisdom on today's show. Thank you. We will be back next week with the next episode of What's This Dow All About? <laughs> <laughs>